Hello, good morning. Thanks for being at Echo Church today. Today is Father's Day, so happy Father's Day to all you. We don't, we're not a church that does a special sermon on Father's Day or Mother's Day, so. Hi. Echo is literal today. Um, so anyway, I did want to say, though, that we have a lot of great fathers here, and I thank you for raising your kids to be good human beings. And speaking of kids, I got one myself. She's pretty cool. I kind of like her. And she's given me permission to share this story today because it's quite fitting. So, Kaylin is a young lady of many interests. She has a lot of hobbies. And when she was growing up very tiny, I watched all these parents sign their kids up for all kinds of activities, and it just seemed like they were going, going, going. And I thought, no, let's just let her pick one thing at a time to try out. I don't, I don't want to spend all this time running around everywhere. I don't want to wear her out. But then as she kept trying different things, she kept getting different interests. And so this past spring, she was quite loaded down in a happy way, of all these different activities. And I was the lovely chauffeur between all these activities. And when rehearsals got longer and practices got longer, things began to overlap. And um, Steve and I were deciding, okay, we got to decide which things you leave early from, which things you might need to be a little late for, and some things you might just have to miss out on some weeks. Got to make some choices. So one week, we said, okay, it's time for this commitment that you've made right here. And she said, well, what if I miss this week? What if I go to this over here? And I'm like, this thing is good and fun and great, but this you've committed to. And there's some expectations, and there's people who need you to be there to make this happen. And she's like, okay. But then a little bit later, she's like, well, but what if I go to this over here? Can I miss this week? I'm like, we've already talked about it. All right? This is the commitment. This is what we're doing. But see, what if, and I'm like, okay, we're done. All right? You got to ask one more time. I know you're a good person. These are good things. You, we've, we've said this is what you're doing. Ask one more time, and you'll get punished. Now, I don't know about you parents out there. Sometimes, do you ever, like, say things in the moment, and you're like, fine, you're just going to be punished, and then you kind of forget that you have threatened that punishment? Close your ears, Kaylin. I think Kaylin sees that that's happened once or twice before. So, this next morning, Kaylin and I are in the kitchen together, and we're having this conversation, and she subtly, subtly brings up this, can I, but, but can I go to this thing? And I'm fixing the food, and suddenly I'm like, oh wait, I have threatened something about this. I need to respond. <laughs> no, I said, wait. You said, I told you, we agreed that if you brought this up again, you were going to be punished. And she's like, I know. Okay, so Steve takes her to school, and he comes back home, and Kaylin, close your ears again. He says, okay, do you know what? He goes, I asked Kaylin, did you know, did you remember that that was going to be your punishment? Did you take that risk? And she said, mm-hmm. And he looks at me and goes, I'm kind of proud of her because <laughs> I'm kind of impressed that she tried it. Of course, that's Steve. Me, the rule follower, was like, heck no. But he said, you know, 
I told her, we're going to have to punish you because we said it. You took the risk. You knew what you were doing. Okay, so easiest punishment for a teenager, take away the phone. Now, I know different people choose to give technology to their kids at different times. But the phone is my leash. I said, it's not your plaything, Kaylin. This phone is to keep track of where you are because you're going to a million activities. You are in this big school. And at times I have to text her and say, what door are you coming out of so I can pick you up and take you to the next thing? Well, the problem was is that the day she disobeyed was a very busy week. And I kind of needed her to have the phone because of all those activities I have to get her to. So... Steve and I talked it over, and I was like, is it weird if we just delay the punishment? <laughs> so we did. <laughs> Judge me if you will. But we said, okay, you're going to be punished, but next week, <laughs> because I really need you to have that phone in your pocket so I can text you all week. But all of this is to say that when I was studying the Bible, I found out that I'm not the only parent who delayed punishment. God delayed punishment in this story that I found. So I want to share that today as we look through our series on grace, Lost and Found, as we just sang the hymn, I once was lost, but now I'm found. And that is what God's grace is. And we're going to find a story in the Bible about God's people who got lost for a little while. And we're going to discover the grace that God gave them. We're going to look in the book of 2 Chronicles. 30, chapter 34, if at some point you want to get there. This is a story that happens to be seen in 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles, but we're going to look in the Chronicles version today. Now, the history of where we are in the Bible at this point is that God's people have been divided into two kingdoms. And this story happens to be talking about the southern kingdom of Judah, that's where Jerusalem exists, and they have gone through a series of kings. There's been some good kings and some bad kings. And today we're going to look at King Josiah, and he was good. But first, let's take a look at his family lineage. So Josiah has a great-grandfather. Dylan, can we check out that slide? Thank you. Hezekiah. And he was stated to be a very good king, and he has this great reputation of leading God's people. But then he has a son, Manasseh, and Manasseh is said to be one of the most evil kings that Israel had, or Judah had. And we do find out that at the end of his life, he did come to some acknowledgement of the Lord. But then his son, Amon, took over, evil again. So now Amon passed away when Josiah was only eight years old, and so we have this child king who took over. Now, the good news is we said that Josiah is good. And let's look at an example of how we know that he began to follow in the Lord's path. It says in 2 Chronicles 34, verse 3, during the eighth year of his reign, so that means Josiah is only 16 year old, years old here, while he was still young, Josiah began to seek the God of his ancestor David. So, we see that this is the point in his heart where he's making choices for himself, and he is choosing the path of the Lord. Further on in the text, we see that by age 20, he decides he's going to use his leadership in order to bring all the people back to the Lord, because they spent all these years under these evil kings, and so therefore they had turned away from the Lord. 
They had built shrines and idols to other gods. They had worshipped others who were not the Lord. So Josiah spent some time tearing down all these pagan shrines. And the next thing on his agenda was by age 26, he commissioned a project to repair the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. So he's wiping out all of these um, opportunities to worship other gods. And then now he realizes the temple of the Lord, the place where you worship God, needs to be fixed up. Now during the renovation, something was discovered in the temple. So let's look at verse 14. Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord that was written by Moses. Hilkiah said to Shaphan, the court secretary, I have found the book of the law in the Lord's temple. And then he gave the scroll to Shaphan, and Shaphan told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a scroll, and so Shaphan read it to the king. Now scholars believe that this scroll is what we know as the book of Deuteronomy. And there was a lot of things that Josiah maybe heard for the first time by listening to God's word being read to him. And his reaction was one of heartbreak, humility, and sorrow. If you look at verse 19, let's see what he did. When the king heard what was written in the law, he tore his clothes in despair. And then he told his people, go to the temple, speak to the Lord for me, and for all the remnant of Israel and Judah, inquire about the words written in the scroll that has been found. For the Lord's great anger has been poured out on us because our ancestors have not obeyed the word of the Lord. We have not been doing everything this scroll says we must do. So Josiah was having a moment. He realized that he is the leader of all these people. And he knows that they had gone through this period of turning away from the Lord. But I think it really dawned on him just how far they had strayed from what God had intended for his people. And so hearing about it and reading the details, Josiah was upset. He was probably afraid of the wrath that could come upon them. And he was sorrowful. Now, if this scroll was Deuteronomy, then he would have heard some of the most famous words that are still prayed by Jewish people today. Shema Israel Adonai Elohenu Adonai Ichad. Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That is called the Shema because of the first word of the prayer, meaning hear. But as you likely know, it doesn't just mean physically listening to something, but hearing and obeying. And God's people had not been hearing and obeying. But Josiah didn't just hear the words of this scroll that was found. He decided to take action. And so he sent his people to go and find out, what do I do? Please go to the temple and ask God, what should I do as the leader of his people now? So his people went, and we look in verse 22, that Hilkiah and the other men went into the new quarter of Jerusalem to consult with the prophet Huldah. So Huldah is a woman who is the voice piece of God. She is receiving words from the Lord, and she has a two-part message. She's got some bad news and some good news. 
She said to them, the Lord, the God of Israel has spoken. Go back and tell the man who sent you. This is what the Lord says. I am going to bring disaster on this city and its people. All the curses written in the scroll that was read to the king of Judah will come true. For my people have abandoned me and offered sacrifices to pagan gods. And I am very angry with them for everything they have done. My anger will be poured out on this place and it will not be quenched. So the first part of the message, kind of bad news there. God, as a parent, has said, here are my boundaries. These are the things I want you to respect for me. And his people turned away. Now, we didn't react right away because we just saw there have been years and years and years of his people turning away. And so finally, as the parent, he's saying, okay, I've given you chances. This is your punishment. So Holda confirms, yes, what you read in the scroll is going to happen. God is going to do what he said he would do. But there was a second part of the message, a little bit of hope. Holda says, but go to the king of Judah who sent you to seek the Lord and tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the message you have just heard. You were sorry. You humbled yourself before God when you heard his words against this city and this people. You humbled yourself and tore your clothing in despair and wept before me in repentance. And I have indeed heard you, says the Lord. So I will not send the promised disaster until after you have died and been buried in peace. You yourself will not see the disaster I'm going to bring on this city and its people. So they took her message back to the king. God delayed his punishment here. We see a bit of grace. Why do you think he did it? Well, we've seen that Josiah has a good heart. And he, he wasn't the only one who was seeking after God. We have Hilkiah the priest and Shaphan and Huldah and likely there were still others, probably some other people who were staying true to God. Or when Josiah was bringing about this reform, maybe some people were saying, yeah, let's, let's turn back to God. Let's find out what's in the scroll that they found. The Lord must have looked down on his people and seen the good in them. Seen their heart. Being willing to dis- delay the punishment. Because God's grace looks beyond our past and looks into our future. God doesn't just see what we've done and the sin that all of us have committed, but he sees what we can be. He sees our potential. And this biblical story of a people who had a sinful past but were trying to make things better was on my mind these past couple of weeks. So our family had the opportunity to travel and visit a few countries these past couple of weeks, and it was such a blessing. And one of the places we visited was Berlin, Germany, for a few days. And 
I have to tell you that growing up, Germany was never really on my travel list. And I think it's just because, well, I mean, if you learn in history class, they were the bad guys, right? Kind of didn't really want to go hang out where Hitler was. Or, you know, I just kept hearing all the negative. But my child went to a German language school, an elementary school, and she started to have a heart for Germany. And then meeting people like Johannes and some people that we know from Germany. And, the, and I thought, okay, well, maybe this is a city that I'm interested in seeing. But as we were planning, so we just have a couple of days there. And you, you can go online and say, two days in Berlin, what do I see? And people like Rick Steves have told you, here's a list of all the things that you could see. And I, I looked at this one itinerary and I was like, Steve, there's just so much Hitler. I, I can't follow this itinerary. It's so depressing. I don't really want to just go and see all the bad stuff that they did. I mean, I know Berlin has that in there. But I also had read about that there's culture and arts and beauty. And I, I don't just want to see the bad stuff. And it's true. Our days there, we spent most of it in East Berlin. And we did see some history. And we did read through the atrocities that happened. But we also got to see the beauty and the art. And I think that there's some photos here I've put up of, this was at the top of a beautiful church. And we climbed to the top of this dome up 500 some steps. And you could just look out over the city and the beautiful river. And you could see historic buildings, but you could see all the new too. If you want to flip through a couple more. There's just a beauty in the place. And there were so many, I was fascinated with all the new buildings that are made of glass and all these really creative shapes. And I thought, you know, the people living there today, they probably don't just want us to think of them as the bad guys. And honestly, if you look at our country's history, we're the bad guys too. Our ancestors did horrible things to people in our land. But we're trying to be better, I hope. And so just as the people in Josiah's day, he's trying to bring them about to a new place, to move past the negativity of their ancestors. And he was praying that that's what God would see. And I think it's true that God does see us that way. He sees our potential. He gives us that grace. So there's a little bit more of the story of Kaylin. The same day that we told her, okay, next week you get punished. And then I drove her to her activity that evening, and I went for a run. And our teaching team had been talking about preparing for this grace series. So I think grace was on my mind. And I had a nice run, and it was a good afternoon, good evening. And I go to pick up Kaylin and I said, look, this thing you wanted to go to, there's still time. You can be late. I will drive you across town to that. And she looks at me and goes, why? And I said, that's grace. Don't forget it. Because I need grace every day. And I lean on it every day. And I don't deserve it. And God gives it freely. So she was still punished, but that day she had grace because I wanted to honor the fact that I knew who she was as a person. 
And these moments when she disobeys is rare. And I'm trying to say I see who you are as a person, as a good person with a good heart. That's what we rely on for God to see in us. Because there was punishment that's required for all sin. All the sin that Judah did in the past, all the way back to Adam and Eve, all the sin that will ever be committed from here on out, it needs to be punished. And Jesus is that punishment. He took that on for us. God has delayed our punishment for eternity through Jesus. And when God looks at us, he sees all the beautiful potential. He sees Jesus' sacrifice over us. And that's grace. Let's pray. God, we can hear stories over and over but it still gives us hope anew that you are willing to love us as who we are and where we've come from and forgive us where we've turned away from you and offer us grace again and again. Help us not become apathetic toward that grace, but be grateful every day that you offer it to us. And we thank you so much for offering us grace for eternity through Jesus. It's the greatest gift we've been given. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.